0: Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service. Hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. I believe we're live. Oh, I'm like deeply out of the yeah, you're I'm just, kind of in the frame. I'm a side show anyway. I'm
1: blocking my face with a microphone. Look at that. We've, we've oh, just hello, been trying. Hello.
0: <laughs> we're always just rambling while you guys are here, and that's fun and everything. It's so like a
1: window into organic life. That's right. Welcome.
0: Welcome, welcome uh, to the Guys Drinking Tea podcast, which we've already announced that we're going to be rebranding because uh, we don't always just have guys on the show. No. So today difficult. we have Jessica. She's already been on the show. Mm-hmm. In the past, actually twice, once, totally broke, (laughs) and you didn't get to hear it, which is terrible. Um, But But
1: changing the name, what a prescient-like move based on our conversation
0: today. Which we're going to talk about how you're not even drinking tea, or what are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, no,
1: no, (laughs) talking about how it's not just guys, and we're going to talk about the whole wonderful realm of um, male-female leadership, what that looks like, all those different things, so indeed, what are we going to cover?
0: Yeah, well, why don't Jessica maybe? Uh, well, briefly, let's just do. I have the sneaking suspicion that maybe a few more people will find us on YouTube. Based on the <laughs> title of this. And so, if you don't know who we are, I'm Aaron Bjorklund. I'm the worship pastor at South Fellowship Church.
1: Uh, I'm Alex Walton, I'm the lead pastor at South Fellowship Church.
2: I'm Jessica Rest, I'm the director of pastoral care at South Fellowship which does not mean that I'm in charge of caring for <laughs> pastors. I've gotten that question a lot, actually. Um, not in charge she of caring for the pastors. That <laughs> but, Canadian,
1: and that yeah. sounds like something we really need. Next staff I
2: are. <laughs> <laughs> Or just um, change my job description. <laughs> there you go. Be <laughs> what everyone thinks it is. Yeah,
0: um, but uh, Jessica's. for those of you who don't know who are a part of South, uh, she's also one of our resident theologians. So mm-hmm. uh, Denver Sem grad mm-hmm. and... Um, so a lot of times when I'm looking to study something deeper, I'll just say, hey, Jessica, can you help me figure this thing or that thing out? So mm. that's part of the reasons we brought on this show to uh, to bring some insight into that. So why don't you, Jessica, actually kick us off? Well, so being...
1: I think we were going to first really quick just cover Sunday. So just so we know where this conversation oh, yeah, come from. Yeah. I think, yeah, so so this Sunday we're doing a series through First Corinthians and we got to this, this moment where Paul has a... Uh, he has a section that really seems to start at First Corinthians 11 verse 2 and move all the way through to 1 Corinthians, the end of 14. Uh, and it seems to be one body of thought, and we covered some of it. So we talked about spiritual gifts in church, the the stuff that we're told might happen or the stuff we're told shouldn't happen. And, and I, I, my family grew up brethren before I was Pentecostal. So my uncle went to the church and said, I wanna learn about speaking in tongues, this moment that Paul talks about and this gift that Paul talks about. And the, the lead elder said, if you bring that here, I'm gonna throw you through the window opposite the, you know, in the store opposite. And so, so depending on your background, this may be something you know nothing about or you've had lots of conversations about. Uh, but then we talked how, about how Paul says even something as important as that has to be grounded in love. Mm-hmm. Like that's what covers everything. So when we were planning, and talking we came across the uh, chapter 14 and this verse that jessica's about to read us and said wow this is so connected to the two because this is going to be a complicated conversation already depending on your background you may have some like oh man they better not say that or they better say this or you may already have some tension Mm -hmm. um it's complicated it's emotive um and yet the beautiful transition was in less conversations like that are grounded in love. Even if you're right, it can be really destructive for the church and for people personally. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we are excited to do this in love and have this good conversation that is, uh, that is complicated. Uh, and so with no yeah. further ado.
0: Yeah. So this is the passage. So yeah, Alex said we're in this series and this is the first Corinthians 14 text that uh, we're talking about today.
2: Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church.
0: And wow. maybe you can tell based upon the fact that we had Jessica read that where we are leaning slightly. <laughs> no. Um.
1: It, it's complicated, right? It's this this yeah. is so, so we, and we've talked about this just in, in our brief conversations. Um, we, we are all three people that would reflect that we are deeply passionate about the Bible and what is shared in it, uh, that, that it is divinely inspired that God gave us this book and even with the mixture of biblical authors and all those different things. Uh, and yet, that we have questions about this passage and, and wanna know exactly what does it mean. And so, so I think just to give people this, this heads up, we're, we're all coming from this premise of, we long to know what God has for us individually and as a worldwide church, and what he means by passages like this and what the original author means By passages like this um and so maybe we start by acknowledging sometimes the bible says things you don't want it to say yeah um
0: yeah that's huge like this the way we treat this conversation isn't because we're just trying to get out from under something that's hard because if that was the case you would just not ever read the
1: bible no absolutely like (laughs) that there is and i'm not talking about this verse now there are things that the bible says that i'm like i don't want that to be in there um, and, and my human will has to surrender itself to Jesus' wisdom. And there's been moments I've read things that Jesus said, and, and thought, I don't think you're right. And I'm going to choose to surrender my supposed in- intelligence to your 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 Jesusness. Um, <laughs> and and that's that's difficult. So so I think like. Maybe we start by saying we're all coming it from the premise of like, we want to know what this says. Um, and, and yet we, we know from lots of experience, lots of studying together, separately in all sorts of different places. The, 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 the Bible and the biblical authors are rarely simple, often complicated. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of stuff, even just based on the fact that we're reading a text that was written 2000 years ago in a different language. And translated by people over a couple of thousand years, yeah, to a different culture that sometimes thinks it knows what it's saying and sometimes doesn't know.
0: Yeah, so um, we thought because uh, Alex made the promise that we're going to have this episode where we're going to go on a deeper dive into this particular subject of women in ministry slash women in authority, those sorts of things. Um, we wanted Jessica to be on the uh, on. The, on the episode so that she can bring her perspective to that. She's also studied extensively on the subject. Um, but we're, so we're going to actually navigate through the first Corinth, So first Corinthians uh, references to this, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully relatively uh, quickly, because there's actually another passage that's much more challenging on the subject that we want to spend a little bit more time in. Absolutely.
1: So- but we also were aware, I think to bring you in on this, Jessica, like we, we do this part, pod- Aaron and I do this podcast together all the time. There is a 30 something year old white maleness to this podcast that's often (laughs) really present. Uh, You know, just even though we were both born in non American countries, we were both born in different places. Um, And and, uh, there's this wonderful moment in the TV show, The Simpsons, where Lisa Simpson, the eight year old, is talking about how it's terrible being young. Nobody listens to you. And Grandpa Simpson, the 70-year-old, says, it's terrible being old, nobody listens to you. And Homer Simpson, who is confessedly an idiot on the show, uh, says, "Uh, it's wonderful being a white male aged 35 (laughs) to 45. Everyone listens to me even when my ideas are stupid. And, And so just reflecting on that for a second, I've become aware that there's lots of things that are what I would call positions of privilege for me. So... We're going to talk about these broad areas of, and I'm going to ask you to define for us. I think complementarianism and egalitarianism, these big terms. Um, I can be a egalitarian and say I think women should be able to do anything in church, mm-hmm. and yet if they're not, it doesn't cost me anything personally. Mm-hmm. I get to do all the things that I might want to do, based on on being a man. Um, And so there's a complexity there to all of this. So if you're comfortable, just tell us like, one, what does it feel like to read that verse? And two, what does it feel like maybe to to hear that verse used as it's sometimes used, knowing that you're an incredibly gifted person with all of these different, you think strategically brilliantly, you study so well, you have this breadth of knowledge, you communicate it well. Like, there the must be some conundrum there in hearing
0: that. You've preached itself
1: on Yeah, yeah, you preached. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, well, I guess to define the terms mm. first, um, briefly, both egalitarians and complementarians would say men and women are made in the image of God, mm. um, as according to Genesis, and have, they you know, say equal value before mm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is difference between the genders yeah yeah and complementarians would say that the those differences also imply some kind of role differentiation mm. both in the church and in the home yeah. and we're not really going to get into home relationship household stuff we it, don't want to mess awesome. with
1: your home life we're like
2: whoa that's a whole other <laughs> podcast topic um we're just going to talk about how that applies to the church yeah. Um, egalitarians would say yes, there are differences, but those differences do not imply or necessitate role differentiation. Mm-hmm. Roles should be defined by giftedness and calling rather than gender. Mm-hmm. Um, would do you guys add anything to that, or
1: no? I think that's
2: that. That would cover it for me, Aaron. What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, great defi- definitions. I think that works. Yeah.
2: Um, and the other thing to note is. Egalitarianism and complementarianism kind of fall out on a spectrum, Mm -hmm. especially complementarianism. Yes. So three people could call themselves complementarianism and Uh theologically could fit in that camp. Uh But the way they see that working out practically could be totally different and the way that they would argue for it scripturally and theologically Mm -hmm. could be totally different. So you could say women should be silent in church Mm -hmm. and wear head coverings and only men should be speaking, teaching, doing any of those things that might carry authority.
1: Yeah. And, and that would be a churches tari- and, and in actual fact, some of those churches went as far as, like, you weren't allowed instruments in church. Not, not that it's the same mm-hmm. ecclesiological issue, but they would say, no, we we don't read musical instruments in church, life in acts, so we just sing.
2: Right. And you yeah. can take and, that view. Yeah. And apart from the instrument thing, that would be a commentary yeah, view. Yeah, yeah. Um, you might say that, well, no, women can do a spectrum thing they could even speak to some degree Mm. in church um but they can't be called a pastor they can't be an elder they can't preach but they could do pretty much anything else and that would be Mm. a complementarian view that's actually a very common complementarian view especially in american evangelicalism um or you could say women could be called pastors women can preach women can do absolutely anything they're called and gifted to do they just cannot hold the office of elder Mm. and that is still a complementary yeah and those are like Three very different, practically played out things, but they all fall under this label. Um, but yeah, you could be under the same label and still have a different viewpoint, yeah. and that's important to know about this conversation.
1: Uh, and then, and then, and as we've talked about already, like there's a there's probably people listening that have both of these views. And, and actually, that's really good. Like, our goal, if you're hearing today, mm-hmm. our goal is to get you to switch your view. <laughs> uh, that's actually not like... That's not that, our goal? That's not our goal. What? Um, our, our goal is actually <laughs> to ask everybody to wrestle with their view regardless of what it is, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some health to that. Like, like I, I, One of the things I find interesting is when I interviewed at South before I came here uh, you know, a couple of years ago now, I was really honest with both the elders and the... Um, the search teams that I was involved with, my personal view is egalitarian. I've been in ministry for 21 years and 19 of them have been in a complementarian church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my goal isn't to go to those places and say, I'm going to change this to be like me. Like there's a whole bunch of complexity there. There, there could be movements for me that, that could be right for me and not for a community like South. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's so much going on there. That's just fascinating. I remember once going to interview at a church and, and right as I was leaving, the lead pastor said to me, Oh, can I just ask? Egalitarian or complementarian? Um and, and I was about to answer and he said, Let me just say it's not a deal breaker, but the head of the elder board's a woman, so it might be better. <laughs> it might matter a little bit. <laughs> um so there's yeah, again, complexity and and hopefully some humor in that. So
0: so. Also, would you just maybe, there's a lot of new people at South. Mm -hmm. Maybe just give a brief flyover of South's position historically on the subject and sort of the journey we've been on on this particular subject over the last several years.
1: And and that in itself is like we could do a whole podcast on that. Um, But really briefly, uh, (laughs) South has had in its history a male-only elder board. Um, Mm -hmm. That's been our governance, as you might call it. In 1979, South was removed from the denomination, partly because they were told your elders had to, to mirror your demographic. So you had to have a certain percentage of women. You had a certain percentage of people of different backgrounds, all those different things. And, and, and really, the pastor at the time, uh, Dale Schleifer, and the, the elder board at the time agreed, no, we, that's not how we pick elders. It's not that we could never see Women being elders, but it's not going to be a mandated thing. And so they actually left the denomination over that. Yeah.
2: And that wasn't the only reason. It wasn't the only reason. It, but yeah. Yeah, but the, it was the, a, a part s-
1: of it. A big, like, the, 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 one, the, one the moment of crux almost, like where it that pushed everything over the edge, as I understand it. Um, but I could be wrong. There's some, some historians in the church we should have on a podcast. <laughs> uh, and then throughout that time, male-only elder board, male pastors exclusively... And then maybe what seven years ago there was this movement from um, pastor as a male role to pastor as a non-gender specific role, and, and and that was really based around the the lead pastor and the elders at the time agreed pastor isn't a biblical title.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's outside. It's an extra biblical title, and so anyone can have it.
0: But yeah, it's a function, not a position of authority yeah, in the same sense. exactly yeah Yeah. that was the decision that the board made at the time uh-huh. and then yvonne who's preaching this coming sunday yep. mm-hmm. it, uh, became the first female pastor at south at that time
1: yeah and, and so we we are governed by a male elder board um and then we're led by a staff that has both men and women in different roles and pastor is a title that is open to anyone of either gender Always open to either gender, and then, um yeah, that's where we are right now. Um, so that maybe covers go. all of that, like history up until this point. then and-
0: Yeah. So we've uh, we've covered some pre- prerequisites to the conversation. Yeah. So now, can we? Uh, would, anything else? Do we feel like we need to cover right off the bat before we just uh, skip across a little bit of First Corinthians? Was well, there- you
2: guys asked me a question. I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. We, we, you, you did your definition <laughs> oh, but that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah there what's there
1: the, that's Sorry what I was gonna that. say. Like, like. What what does it what do you hear What does it Yeah, what does it feel like with
2: all the gifting and everything?
0: I'm like excited to get in the text. I'm sorry.
2: I mean, it's it's good. Still relevant to the text, kind of. Um, I think pretty much everyone who engages with this topic, especially if you're a woman, but I mean, it matters not just for women. It matters for the whole church, male and female. It's often a a journey, sometimes Mm -hmm. a long journey Mm. of understanding what does the text say? What does that mean for me? Um, And I think it's important to know that it's not just a question of, well, what can women do or not do? What can I do or not do? It's rooted in what does it mean to be made in the image of God, male Mm. and female, to understand how I'm wired, how God has created me, what he is calling me to, mm. um, and to live that out in faithfulness and in obedience to mm-hmm. scripture. Because yeah. good evangelicals, You know, scripture is authoritative, it's God-breathed, mm-hmm. as we were saying earlier. Um, I want to, and I think in general, whether you are complementarian or egalitarian, if you're an evangelical, you want to be faithful to God be faithful to Scripture, um, and not just pick and choose what sounds good to you. You mm. want you want to do it right mm-hmm. because you want to be obedient to what God yeah. would have you do and who He would have you be. Yeah. Um. There's
0: identity, s- identity involved. Yes. Which it's is
2: deeply, heavy. deeply yep. personal. Um, r- regardless of what perspective you end up taking, what interpretations yeah. you end up making. Yeah. Um, which is also why it can be a hard conversation um, and a devastating conversation sometimes. Like I, I've i read a lot of theology on different things. I've had to for seminary. I've had mm-hmm. to for my undergrad. This is the conversation that's the meanest that yeah. people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like you read like an egalitarian interpretation of this text, and they're commenting on what this complementarian person said about this, and they're like making personal attacks, and the complementarians are making personal attacks because the egalitarian interpretation wow. is like.
1: And I th- is, isn't some of that a little bit? I, I, there was a quote I read the other day from a lady called Barbara Taylor, uh, mm-hmm. and she said, "Human beings are never more dangerous than, than when they believe they are defending God." Like there's something about that that pushes us to, and and if we approach this subject as like, I'm defending what God wants and my God wants this, Mm -hmm. on either side, that can actually turn you into someone who might think that they're defending God, but actually is very poorly reflecting Jesus. Yes. As an image of God. Yes. Um,
2: But... Yeah, because it's so personal. One, it can be incredibly harsh mm-hmm. when someone is trying to respond to it. Yeah, again, from either direction, mm-hmm. um, it can be incredibly challenging and harsh to receive.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: As a, from my experience as a woman trying to figure out what God has called me to mm-hmm. and what that means. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, like I didn't come from an egalitarian background. Again, mm-hmm. full disclosure. I would call myself an egalitarian. Mm. Um, But I grew up in a church that I didn't see women on stage ever. Mm. Um, And I understood that to mean, and this is not what that church believes, but this is what I came to understand that meant is God does not give women the gift of preaching or teaching or like leadership in the church. And no godly woman would claim to have those things. Again, wow. not what this church actually taught or believed. I think they would probably be horrified to know that that's what I came away with, um, even though they were a complementarian church mm. at the time. Um, but that was kind of my starting out point going to college. I went to a Christian college, did some research and you know, what are their interpretations, um, received my own call to ministry at the time as well, ended up at Denver Seminary, and um, And to one degree or another, because of being a woman in a primarily male um, degree program and the church I was at at the time, which was a strongly complementarian church, um, this was a question that I had to be dealing with on some level every day for three years-ish. Whether that was actively studying it or just the questions I received or guys making comments in class or being the only woman in the class (laughs) or something to that level I had to reckon with it because it wasn't just a fun debate or something that Mm -hmm. I had to write a paper on or something I did have to do that but it made a difference to whether I should even be at school yeah and made a difference to whether I should be getting a master of divinity or not at least am I
1: wasting my time like is this like
2: yeah Should I be taking a preaching class? Mm -hmm. Can I tell other people that I'm taking a preaching class? What's the response going to be? Um, Can I tell people I'm taking a pastoral counseling class or should I just say, I'm in a counseling class right Mm now? Um, Because the response that I was getting was, that's not okay for you to be doing, that's a man's role. Mm Um, your desire to do those things, to preach, to shepherd, to lead, are the result of the fall um, because those should only be for men and you shouldn't want to do those things um, or at least not want to do those things in the sphere that you are preparing to do them in. Um, And it really made me wrestle with either, there were ultimately, it seemed like three possibilities. Either God made a mistake when he created me because I had giftings and my understanding of a calling and passions that were supposed to be men only things. Mm -hmm. Or I made a mistake. Mm. I had totally misunderstood scripture, misunderstood uh, my own giftings and wirings and what God had done in my life and how other people had affirmed that throughout my life. Mm -hmm. Or the people who were telling me that I couldn't do those things, shouldn't do those things, shouldn't want those things. This is sin, essentially, for me to be pursuing these things were wrong in their interpretation.
1: And in actual fact, none of those are actually great outcomes in some ways. They're all (laughs)
2: complex, at least. They're all complex. Um, I mean, the first one, like, theologically, God doesn't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So that one Mm -hmm. was pretty easy to be like, okay, like, that that can't be an actual possibility because that's not who God is. Mm -hmm. That's not his character. That's not how he operates. Um, So either I'm interpreting this incorrectly Mm. Um, and interpreting myself incorrectly. Mm-hmm. or these people that I'm in community with in one way or another are incorrect in their interpretation. Yeah. Um, and that's a difficult place to be and a difficult community to remain in. Mm. Um, some people are called to do that. Yeah, some people are not. Yeah. Um, I did not stay in that community. This community of self-fellowship, we do have people who are all across that spectrum. We really do, yeah. We have staff members who are mm-hmm. in different spaces on that spectrum, complementary and egalitarian. I think as a community, we can have that conversation well. As a staff, we can have that conversation with each other well. Yeah. Um, and this has been a safe and healthy place to have that conversation and continue to discover and develop those gifts. I love that. Um, but... The challenging thing as a woman who understands herself to be gifted in pastoral ways, even though mm-hmm. I don't have the title of pastor at South, mm-hmm. um, leadership ways, there is always going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. There's always gonna be the possibility that I did get it wrong, yeah. and I'm stepping outside of the boundaries. There are always going to be brothers and sisters in Christ who believe that I have it wrong. Yes. And that—that's not just a reflection on, like, it's not just an oops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, a reflection on me as a Christian, um, and on me as a woman. Mm. And that's a tension that, to some degree, I'm always going to have to hold. Yeah. Um. It's a lot easier for me to hold it now mm. than it was a few years ago in seminary. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's always a piece of this conversation.
1: And I, lo- I mean, that's so, uh, thank you for the honesty, and that that definitely, people can watch me and say, I think you got your calling wrong, and don't think you're good at what you do, but it's not got the same personalness. I mean, it's still personal. <laughs> it's still but personal. But just like, yeah, you just, I mean, it's not that you shouldn't be doing it, you just don't do it well. Like, that's a, that's a possibility, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff there. And I think just as we get into this text, a couple of things that I think just really stick out to me. I did a counseling session once with someone who came to me and said, a conversation turned to, to women in ministry, and they said, well, men need to do that because men are made in the image of God and women
0: aren't. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and That's, by uh, the way, neither, neither side. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Uh, and, <laughs> That's not complimentary. No, 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 no it's gallantry. not. It really isn't.
1: Um, and, and so walking through with her, like one, by heartbreak that, that she believed as a woman, she wasn't made in God's image mm-hmm. is, is really heartbreaking. Um, so if you if that's you, if you would say this is a conversation about am I am an image bearer of God or not? No, it's not actually complete orthodoxy would say male or female. You are made in God's image. That, that's just where it lands. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things that's actually fairly simple. There's not many of them, but, but that's one of them. Um, and so just to know that, I think is is important, and to begin with that. And then as we we push into this text, um, we're gonna start here, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna wrestle with a word that, that uh, this word hermeneutic, if, if you're not not familiar with that phrase, it, it, it's helpful to think of it as it's the, the framework through which you see the Bible because you have one, even whether you realize it or not. Um, and so even just by starting with this verse, there's something about our hermeneutic that would be revealed if this is the verse that we begin mm-hmm. with. And then we'll go to another verse that kind of wrestles almost from the opposite point of view uh, and just see where we land a little bit. So hopefully you get a sense of, of the fact that this, this kind of issue we're talking about, there are brilliant people on yeah. both sides of this argument we
2: deeply love jesus
1: deeply love jesus like people that are far smarter than certainly i am like
0: and male and female and people, male and female yeah. mm-hmm. on, Scholars, both sides. Both sides. Yep. on both sides um, in fact just uh, this is totally just a like a, an observation i've actually had more women stand up strongly to it for a complementarian view in in my experience in church than men strangely mm-hmm. it's just an interesting observation was like oh that's unexpected but it's actually been the case it, it's it, weirdly but yeah. so
1: so hopefully you catch like the the one of the things we really were determined that we could get was there's robustness mm-hmm. and struggle on both sides yeah. of this just like some other big arguments and and this week i referenced uh just really briefly this this famous text now there are these three that remain faith hope and love uh, and i happen to read two sources both brilliant scholars on First Corinthians. And one of them said, love is the greatest because faith and hope disappear. And the other one said, neither of these three disappear. They're all present for eternity. And love is superior because of this, this, and this. And these are the two perhaps leading minds on this text who completely disagree on a macro subject like faith, hope, and love, like these three entities that Paul talks about. As you get into the nuances of texts like this, wow. There's, there's so much going on yeah so you yeah. said
0: you're going to illustrate depending on which text you start with in the book of first corinthians and frankly in any subject you may have a leaning one direction or another and so the text that was just read which we can bring back in here if this is the text you start with uh like maybe you can follow through with that illustration yeah, yeah. and pull up the next one
1: so 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 this one would start with women should remain silent in the churches they're not allowed to speak, but must must be in submission, as the law says. And it's really interesting, like to try and figure out what does he mean by the law says. Where does it say this submission? Yes, we could get, but silence doesn't necessarily mean to be there. Means seem to be there. But let's flip over to 1 Corinthians eleven for a second. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered, dishonors his head. Dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head it is the same as having her head shaved so so this whole section chapter 11 through 14 is really locked into like how you do christian worship well Mm -hmm. as i would understand it um and so he's talking about churches that gather together in chapter 11 he says when women prophesy They have to do it in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And there's this absolute broad assumption women will be prophesying in church.
0: They just need to do it in this way. They
1: just need to do it in a certain way, as men need to do it in a certain way. Yeah. Um, If you start there.
0: Same book of the Bible. Same book. It's
1: like three chapters difference. Like it's, it's right there together. If you start there, then when you come to chapter 14 and you read Silent in Church, there's something about having read that that makes you say, huh.
0: I must be reading this wrong. Like,
1: what, what does he mean? This must have a context mm-hmm. that makes it make sense because I've just read that that women are prophesying in church and this is a corporate setting. Everything about this is a corporate setting.
2: Yeah.
1: If you start in 11 and then go to 14, if 11's your your base case, your ground like level, you get to 14 and you say, Huh, oh, there must be something with this context. If you start with 14... And go back to eleven, you start trying to work around. Well, what what's wrong with eleven? Like,
0: we've is got this... the definition of prophecy wrong. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, or yeah. is this a women-only small group or something like that? Yeah. Something that didn't exist in quite the same way that we might imagine it today. Sisterhood is wonderful well, if it's you're it's totally not in the there.
0: church. Like all these different, yeah, yeah. They start to appeal to like unknown things, extra biblical ideas, maybe like other studies, contextual studies, trying to explain away one or the other, depending on where you're starting.
1: And and the interesting thing for for me is like, and and Jessica, feel free to jump in, Aaron, feel free to jump in. We're gonna try and get through 1 Corinthians 14 fairly quickly because this actually isn't that difficult. I don't think like there's other verses that if you're an egalitarian are harder to explain Mm -hmm. than this one. Yeah. the, the this one seems specifically contextual, um, in chapter fourteen. So so anyone want to run us through that? Like, do you want if you guys want to jump in on that?
0: Yeah. Well, so based based upon the assumption that um, I'll just give one potential explanation for four, for chapter fourteen of First Corinthians. Um, you know, there's an explanation of like what's taking place in that city. Uh-huh. There's a chaotic church. Uh, um. The, Kenneth Bailey uh, Kenneth Bailey yeah so Kenneth Bailey lays out the strong case um, he lives in the Middle East and has studied for years both the scriptures and um, the culture and culture uh, both currently in the Middle East and ancient cultures cultures in the Middle East and his he just from experience combined with his historical study he says well it's a very chaotic environment a lot of the times you've got a division between men and on one side of the church even today and and um, women on the other side of the church who are also having to care for kids and it's chaotic and noisy Mm -hmm. and stuff and they're trying to learn and basically chapter 14 just this is way oversimplification of his argument but it's just too chaotic and paul's like we need to find a way to get some silence so anyone can learn Mm -hmm. um and so rather than the wife yelling across the way hey what did he say or or occasionally let's say uh, a her husband's up on this up on the platform sharing prophecy (laughs) and she's like you didn't do that last night you you weren't loving to your neighbor uh last week or so on something like paul's trying to say let's like simplify this one person speaks and which is all part of this text like one person speaks and the other one um, one person speaks in a tongue, the other one gives an interpretation. Let's or- make this orderly so that anyone can learn. Yeah, And yeah. that's part of Kenneth Bailey's argument for why this text in, in this particular church is relevant. And there's other explanations going on in that context. I don't know if you want to bring any of those up. Anything well. you
2: would add to that? I... I mean, I think one of the the best interpretation is it's part of... The continued commands on orderliness and worship that Paul's already been talking about. We talked about, you know, with gifts and, um, right before that, he's also talking to people who are speaking in tongues and like when they should be mm-hmm. self-controlled or using those in the correct way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right before it is prophesying. And then he talks about, you know, women should be silent in the church. Mm-hmm. It's all worshiping in a, Way that honors god and honors each other as a body of christ yes um and they all use the same verb as he addresses each of mm-hmm. those groups yes. which you miss yeah. in our english translations Yeah. and you can see in the greek he's he's all telling them to do the same thing in the same way yes which is not, not be not silent yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and be silent forever and don't use it because he's just talked about like all the times that you would use these things yes. and use these gifts he's commanding them from an egalitarian interpretation to speak in the correct order at the correct time, mm-hmm. yeah, I not think just that's not talk. And, and, and I think you,
1: you think the Middle East uh, and then even into some of the Mediterranean areas today, that the percentage of women that get education, um, very limited. Mm-hmm. So, so Kenneth Bailey um, will talk about how, even in churches he's pastored recently, every 15 minutes or so, they would have to have someone get up on stage because the men, all educated, would sit and listen to the person lecturing. Uh, and the women, primarily uneducated, would start to switch off, would be looking after the children, that would mm-hmm. just be like a hubbub with this wall in between. So again, every 15 minutes on the nose, like someone would get up. Everyone has to be quiet in church. Um, and, and, and really specifically, this side of the room, the women and children we need we need quiet here because the other side's been quiet so so i think to go back to that hermeneutic if you have someone who has an egalitarian position you would say women clearly involved in prophecy in chapter 11 mm-hmm. um, and 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 which is for- the preferred gift according yeah, yeah, to yeah 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 absolutely so yeah, yeah 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 it's a serious yeah. gift and 14 becomes then this this thing that is particularly um addressing a dynamic in play there um if you come from a complementarian position you say no no when paul says here uh, that they're to be silent in church that's a universal mm-hmm. um statement still applies today yeah. still applies everywhere and when we go back to prophecy you have to do a workaround and say huh well that must have been some place where men weren't present Mm-hmm. Uh, because prophecy has this authoritative nature to it and speaks into the life of a community. So so it, it it's interesting, isn't it? Just admitting and being honest that there's times where we'll lead from a natural inclination when we pick which passage we use to interpret which passage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and and so if I if I think about my own position here, this is not a passage as a someone who's from a more egalitarian perspective that makes me think, oh man, this is like really hard to understand the the weight of the argument. Um, There are passages for both sides that are more difficult than this one. Um, And so if you uh, perhaps maybe someone listening, you'd say I'm more of a Mm -hmm. complementarian. You might wrestle to explain why does Paul talk about women prophesying in communities? You might wrestle with passages like why does he give clear lists in like Romans 16 of church leader after church leader who's female, Mm -hmm. Um, why does he talk about Priscilla and then her husband Aquila in in like this really clear break from tradition, which was the husband was named first. Like it seems like he's talking about a a dynamic person who he says is listed amongst the apostles or Mm -hmm. was significant amongst the apostles. Um, so, so those passages, if you come from a complementarian point of view, you have to wrestle with and say, oh, man, what's going on here?
0: Or Galatians.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Galatians, the passage yeah. we're about to move to now, from an egalitarian point of view, is one of those same passages on the other side that you might look at and say, um, what's going on here? Like N.T. Wright talks about this as the most difficult passage to translate in the New Testament. And this is like a guy who is the guy on the New Testament, other than paul jesus yeah uh, like he's 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 a mind beyond my capacity i followed him down the stairs at a conference once and i gained wisdom just by the the reflection on his bald head like it just poured <laughs> into me this is like and he he says like this is this is a challenge um so let's let's flick over and look at that cuz that
0: yeah, yeah absolutely so this is first timothy chapter 2 1 through uh, well, it's 1 through 15, but we're actually going to jump straight to 12 just for the sake of time, um, and then we can maybe go back if we need to. But I'll just go ahead and read this. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and be- and became a sinner. But woman will be saved through childbearing if they continue in the faith, love, and holiness with propriety it's pretty straightforward, you know, childbearing, salvation, all that sort of thing. It's pretty, uh, pretty simple to understand.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's definitely complex. (laughs) So yeah, one of those passages, and and as we said, we hope that there's moments in this podcast that if you come from a egalitarian point of view, you're kind of like, yeah, now you're talking my language. And, and if you come from a complementarian view, you're, there's moments you're like, yeah, you're talking my language and vice versa. Hopefully it's stretching all of us because this is a passage that stretch, stretches me. Um, and, and some writers uh, that I, I would say follow a framework I wouldn't follow would even go to saying things like, um, well, yeah, First Timothy probably isn't an original Pauline letter. It probably doesn't belong in the Bible. All the-, and that pushes it like well out of a place I'm comfortable None with.
0: None of us are in that camp. Yeah,
1: we're not in that camp. We're not like trying to throw um, this
0: book out of the Bible
1: but, but it is a passage that makes me think, oh man, I've read all this other stuff around women taking these really significant roles, um, doing things like speaking, been included in the list of apostles. Like, what does Paul mean when he says this? Because it seems pretty concrete on the surface. So what do we, what, 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 if, if, you, if you want some help with this, like, like if you're a complementarian, you might say, now this is one of my grounding passages. And again, there's a really robust argument for complement- complementarianism. There's a really robust argument for egalitarianism, which, what, what would we say about this passage from, from that point of
0: view? I'll let you go ahead and start. I,
1: I, I jumped in and asked all the questions, so I didn't have to do any of the
2: answering.
0: <laughs> you want to take a swing at it first?
2: Great, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this was the
0: hardest, so we, we brought the real scholar in. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I mean, first of all, there are some aspects about this text that are hard for both complementarians mm. and egalitarians. Huh. The saved by childbearing. Yeah. Yeah. As, no complementarians <laughs>
0: like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense.
2: Right? <laughs> uh, people who are believer, I, mi- I missed that Saved the by Apostles grace alone faith alone. <laughs> um, yeah. Plus childbearing for some people. You know complementarians and egalitarians all kind of... There, there are ways to answer this. Uh-huh. Um, one of the most common ways is say by Jesus. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. And I think N.T., right, when he said that this was difficult to, to translate, he didn't mean it just in terms of... Uh, of to make it sound like
0: what I, dif- I want yeah. it to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: just difficult false. It's stuff. difficult oh, Greek. Big movements. Like, yeah. for example, where, when he says she must be quiet, Paul uses a word, um, I think it's hystexia, um, mm-hmm. that, that, that doesn't simply mean silence. Like, there is another word, gay, which, which would simply mean you're not allowed to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, this, like, that would be used 99.9% of times if you wanted to say someone should be silent. Yeah. So Paul uses a word that is more complex than silence it's a word that generally gets translated like almost like serenity with calmness or something like that. It's it's so it's it's complex just on the language point of view. Yes. Um, Like what why use that word? And then and then we have to reflect on the hard work of of translation, which a lot of the time we don't want to get into because I think it's Christians. We wrestle a lot of the time with what does it mean that, human beings are having to translate words that are inspired and spirit-breathed
2: mm-hmm.
1: into a different language. Um, that, that's been a wrestling point for, for decades with the, the, the first people translating the Bible into languages like Indian. What word do you use for God was even a question. Yeah. Because for a Hindu community, well, there's thousands of gods. Do you use one of their words for God? Or do you use a different word from God so they know you're not talking about one of their gods? Like that, that translation is a complex thing, and most of us have no clue mm-hmm. just how complex it is. I would say I've never done it. I, I, I know enough Greek and Hebrew to get by, but but the complexity of how you pick words. So so if you think about that word that means quietness in terms of not it's not it's not. Um, speechless mm-hmm. what do you translate it to in English? There's a wrestling there and and, and, and then your own hermeneutic Well, that starts to impact it and that's why we have 20, 30, 40, 100 different English versions that all say different things or use different words.
2: There's and, a complexity there. Right and there's a complexity of distance and context too mm-hmm. that we don't inherently just know in the way that we would if we were this original church audience hearing this or timothy i guess wasn't a church audience he was mm-hmm. his own audience of one um <laughs> but i think that's especially easy for us to forget when it is a book like mm. first timothy if, if it's like first corinthians the community's in the title the context yeah, is in yeah. the title it's easy to remember it. like yeah. oh he was writing this to a specific group of people mm. who were dealing with this, their own mess of stuff. Mm. And that's crazy. He was writing First Timothy to Timothy, who was ministering in Ephesus, mm. who also, as a church community, had their own mess of stuff mm-hmm. going on Yeah, that is influencing what he's telling him and why he's telling him something. And Ephesus especially, like had its own issues as a community mm-hmm. with the worship of Greek gods. Yeah. Artemis was the, the goddess of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. There was this huge temple that centered a lot of their civic life around things. That's playing into things here. Um,
0: and the, the priestesses were the leaders in that religious system. Mm-hmm. So it's like in the city if you're female, you're more likely to be a spiritual authority. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you're, you're- there,
2: were, there were a lot. The Church of Ephesus as a community was dealing with false teachings mm-hmm. and what's what's true what's the gospel, what's not, um, that they were actively trying to combat women who were uneducated and who had a little bit more time on their hands mm-hmm. than some of the men in the community were more susceptible in this moment of writing mm-hmm. and some of the ones spreading some of this false teaching and that's playing into what he's communicating here. Uh-uh.
1: Yeah. The, the stereotype of women gossiping together mm-hmm. was actually a reality of Ephesus. Like mm-hmm. it was actually happening and yeah. Paul actually addresses it.
0: So, so he's part of the context.
1: Yeah. And he, and even then like we, we like owning the wrestling of when Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. So we want to know what he says, and then we say, well, what does it mean when he says that when we've already read that Priscilla and Aquila, these two characters mm-hmm. that appear in different letters and in Acts, it specifically says that they taught Apollos. Like, like, so you've got a description of women teaching mm-hmm. and teaching a man. Yeah. And then you're like, but now he's saying this. Like again, there's there's that complexity of what happens when you read something and it seems to wrestle or even at times contradict something. And, and there's a couple of frameworks there that we can follow. For some people, they spend a lot of time trying to take every contradiction out of the Bible and, and explain away every contradiction. And if that's your approach, I, I'm not saying that that's a wrong approach. The profess, first professor I had in the New Testament, though, said my favorite thing about the Bible is it's comfortable with wrestling with different mm-hmm. aspects of how it speaks to and against itself
0: it it might not be a wrong approach but it'll be a maddening one it can
1: be a maddening one yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um but but this professor said you know he said he said he'd studied the history of islam and he said that they have followed this path pattern of any version of the quran that disagreed with another version they picked a version got rid of the other version to to the point that there's one sanitized official version and he said the the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible's so much more complex than that, and in his mind, so much more beautiful than that. So, so I think this this verse reflects some of that challenge. Um,
0: yeah. So my my take. I mean, I I studied a bunch of this um, again recently in preparation for this conversation, and we could get into all the nuances of a specific word. And there's like. Uh, the quietness or the authority here um, is another complex mm-hmm. interpretation. Uh, what in the world is going on with this childbearing situation? Mm. That's a hot mess um, and confused, confusing. Um, and we could get lost in the weeds there. And we've already gone. 52, <laughs> yeah, we have just fifty-two minutes. Through fifty-two and, minutes. And, and Jessica does have to leave eventually. <laughs> um, like, Alex and I don't actually. Yeah, do Yeah, we don't actually do here. It, yeah, we got. Is it um, Sunday she yet? She works. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, no uh, we have different things coming up, but for me, I think going back to your original statement about hermeneutics is one of the reasons why. I, I mean, if you're a complementarian, you may maybe the inclination you might have on this text is to say, "Well, you're just trying to explain it away because you don't like it," and that's not the case at all. I was strongly oh. complementarian for much of my um, much of my theological education. Frankly, mm-hmm. most of my early years in Bible college and growing up, I've always been in comp- complementarian churches. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, that's not what's going on. What's going on is you run into other passages that Alex has referenced, Romans, um, Galatians, uh, even the First Corinthians chapter 11, mm-hmm. and you're running into all of these things. The fact that the first proclaimers of the fullest expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ were the women leaving the tomb... Ex- proclaiming to the other apostles with the official titles. Yeah. You know, that's the proclamation of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel was first spoken by women, which in this context is obnoxious. Yeah. If you're trying to make a case. for And and unbelievable. They, They
1: just wouldn't be believed. So there's
0: all these variables. And then you run into a few of these passages and you're like, well, I must be reading something. So that's what drives me to continue to study.
1: And I think what we wanted and I hope to get out of this is if you have a egalitarian view wrestle with some of these passages,
0: mm-hmm.
1: honestly, that 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 seem to suggest a more compl- complementarian view. If you uh, have a complementarian view, wrestle with some of the passages that suggest a more egalitarian view, because quite often, if we're honest, we only know the passages that we like, or we tend to focus on the passages we like. And And, and this kind of brings it back to the whole love paradigm that Paul talks about, mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a few different views. You can look at a passage and say, based on this passage, I'm absolutely right, and and that's not the best view. You can look at a passage uh, and say other people interpret it differently, and I think that they're wrong. Th- that's not necessarily a bad view. I don't think. I think that that's okay, even so long as you can hold some of the sp- suspension. Um, I think the worst view is other people have a different opinion and they do that because they don't care about the Bible. Mm-hmm. They don't care about reading it correctly. They, they just simply are choosing to read it in a way that's convenient.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that is something that in my experience of both sides, it is rarely true. For the most part, most people I've engaged with around these texts genuinely want to know yeah. what God is saying and genuinely there's other texts that bother me more than this in terms of what I don't want them to say. <laughs> there's plenty of ways that God's word reveals to me, my own warpedness and my own desire to, to live out just what I want. Mm-hmm. Th- this isn't some of these aren't some of them. Most people are genuinely wrestling with these saying, God, like what do you have for me personally? Cause I have all the questions you raise, which are just wonderful. Like what's my giftedness? What, what have you called me to um and god what do you have for your church there's there's very rarely um people that are just like now i'm i'm just going to try and manipulate this to be what i want it to be yeah. most of us come from a position of of deeply loving jesus and really wanting his church to reflect who he is yeah now i wish we had to, we don't have time we had a whole bunch of stuff and like cuz it does this passage does reflect a little bit on gender differences and everything, right? Like, there are some, um, and we we don't have time. Like, we, I don't know if we... we
0: skip across some of the things we were going to cover, and maybe we'll just have to readdress the subject in the future. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, the nice part about uh, a church is we're constantly engaging in the scriptures, and so this subject can naturally come up again in the future. But um, some of the things we wanted to cover, um, was there some some that you had in your mind that you wished we'd been able to cover?
2: I mean, a lot of them. <laughs> this could be like a six part, 10 part, multi hour, this verse. cover. Yeah. Well, not just on this verse, um, but on this conversation uh-huh. as a whole. Like, huge, thick books have been written in multiple editions, mm. picking apart the, the arguments and implications from both perspectives. Mm of this conversation. Yeah. It's, yeah, you can't just cover everything in I think,
1: an hour. I, I think what I would have loved us to get into is that there are tendencies in gender uh, and and those can come across as really restrictive. But in actual fact, like, I think a lot of the time they're not individually restrictive. They're just supposed to be recognitions of there True. are some, some tropes or whatever that, that are, that are just uh, somewhat indicative of the different genders. Like, you give an example, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and biblically an example would be, like, there are definitely female leaders in the Old Testament narratives mm-hmm. that led whole nations. And the language is never, none of the men would step up. Um, the men just couldn't be bothered. Like, Deborah, people like that are specifically, it seems, chosen because they are the best people to lead those communities in that given moment. Um, so she's not unique but she is distinct mm-hmm. and is it fair to say most women in the, in the Old Testament narratives are like her well no um, and, and we've talked about this from the perspective of of businesses today and things like men are aggressive there's a statistic that says companies run by men make the most money or are the most profitable um, the companies run by women are more philanthropic more caring but um, better for the society in some ways
0: yeah so which company's better which the one do you that want? makes the most money yeah. or the one that makes does the best in the world
1: which which do you want um and sometimes <laughs> as a shareholder if you're honest you're like yeah i want the one that makes the most money there's a there's, and those are
0: generalizations obviously absolutely. But they yeah. are statistically leaned one way or the other based upon there are gender differences an egalitarian doesn't deny that yeah. there are gender differences yeah um, and you I know, love some being... complementarians might argue that that's the slippery slope that you'd run into if you, oh, you know, if you go egalitarian, it's a slippery slope, and then you eventually end up into gender-like ambiguity and Absolutely. nothing matters, and none of these things are different. Most
1: yeah, British I... people have bad teeth. I happen to have amazing teeth. I don't have amazing teeth at all, <laughs> but there is, there's like, there's ways you can generalize stuff, uh, and it's rarely true, and yet, yet oh, sorry, it's, it's, it's often true, but not always true. Yeah, um, and and so I think that's the intriguing thing to me. Like, how does God call most people? How does He call some people? And how do you know? Because mm-hmm. God has this way of asking people to do some of the most extraordinary things, um, and the some things He's asked. Jackie Pollinger would be an example that comes to mind. Um, was, God told her to get on a boat at 17 years old. She only had money for a one way fare, ended up in the walled city in, I think it was Taiwan. Um, and it was somewhere uh, in Asia and stayed there for the rest of her life and built one of the most wonderful missionary enterprises ever seen. Like, I don't know many of either gen, many people of either gender that could have done that. Um, God always surprises us, it seems. Um, and yet, I mean, I'm just intrigued by some of the ways that, that, that he has gifted both genders commonly and some of the ways he seems to break that rule. Um, just, yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to
0: talk about sociology and (laughs) some of those statistics around that. You always have anology
1: you want to talk about? I do. Yeah. Just just like nerd uh, out
0: about all that stuff. Um,
1: Can you tell us how all of this links back to like quantum theory and everything?
0: I <laughs> I get all excited. Because it always does. It always makes its way back to quantum physics. We should change
1: yeah. this to guys talking about we should change this to Aaron talking to Alex about quantum Aaron physics. Aaron putting Alex to sleep with quantum <laughs> physics.
0: Um No, uh I maybe I just want to acknowledge before we tune uh sign off that uh you really were hoping we were just gonna like give a clear-cut answer. But instead what we've done is we've we've already like, explain, all of us tend to lean a little bit more in the egalitarian camp. But we, we didn't just, like, say, the other one's stupid.
1: No way!
0: Um, uh, so, maybe that's not satisfactory to you. Or if you're yeah. Yeah, a complimentarian, you're like, yeah, but you didn't deal with this. You didn't cover this. you. Didn't... The point of maybe to summarize the conversation was, uh, this is an invitation. And I think that this is one of the beauties of the scriptures is over and over and over again, the way the spirit oversaw the authorship through human beings of the scriptures, he seemed to value the fact that this was meditative literature, that part of the point is the wrestling with mm. the text. Um,
1: and I think I would say, like just as a final, final thing, specifically if you're part of South. It mean, just gets, gets a yeah, final, final, yeah, 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 yeah. final thing. Oh. Specifically if you're part of South, Um One, like I think we've said before, none of this is supposed to say like South should go in this direction or South should go in this direction. But for me, one of the things I'm passionate about South, uh, about for South, is that we don't just take conversations off the table because they're difficult. Mm -hmm. Like we keep having those conversations and, and, and we keep wrestling with what it is to be a community that has different points of view um, if you are a person that comes to South with a deeply held conviction uh, about complementarianism, maybe there's a fear for you of what happens if South becomes egalitarian and, and, and maybe South will always be complementarian. And yet still as someone who comes here, it, it's your job to know that that is a painful position to some of your sisters and brothers that come here. And if you're someone who's deeply passionate about South becoming egalitarian, and part of you listening to this podcast is you're like, I I want you to explain why we didn't make this move like 10 years ago. It's not that I hope we do it now, it's that we should have done it ages ago. Then know that that will come as a loss to some of your brothers and sisters that come that call this community home. And some of them
0: may not be able to feel comfortable in this environment. Absolutely. Vice versa.
1: And so, so that like hopefully brings us back to Paul's paradigm that somehow we are called to love each other even when we don't agree or aren't sure what's absolutely the way of Jesus. And that the beautiful thing I always come back to with Jesus on every time he wrestles with you on anything, we're ingrained to say for whatever reason, he's with us when we get to the right answer. And the beautiful message of the the... Gospel narratives and, and scriptures, this whole, like the biblical authors as a whole seems to be, God is with you in the wrestling mm-hmm. as you get there. Um, and that's a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, do you want another, another thing? A final final? A final final? Final final? final?
2: I mean, I guess I should take the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely <laughs> take the so. opportunity. Um, I mean, I think Alex put it really well. Um I mean, this is a this is a conversation that matters. It matters for individuals. Mm-hmm. It matters for the church as a whole, mm-hmm. the church itself, mm-hmm. and the church capital C mm-hmm. church throughout time and space. Nah. Um. But it's also ultimately not a salvation mm-hmm. issue. It's not
0: in the Apostles' Creed or. It's not in the Apostles' <laughs> Creed. It's.
2: Um. I mean, I believe that one day I'll stand before Jesus and have to answer to him mm. for how I did or did not use what he has gifted me to do, yeah. did or not did not live out what he has called me mm-hmm. to do. Um, but I will also have to answer for how I loved my brothers and sisters in Christ, even in areas that we disagreed, mm. even as part of a church body where we disagree. Um, and that I think ultimately matters more than where I fall on a theological spectrum mm. about an important but ultimately secondary issue.
0: Yeah.
1: Living in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus is something that we all get to come back to. Yeah.
0: Amen. Um, which is beautiful. Love it. Gosh. Thanks everyone. And there is 0.001% of this conversation. So <laughs> we love y'all. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, like, subscribe, uh, or t- hopefully not dislike whatever. Um, can you we'll, even
1: dislike anymore it feels like they've taken all the dislike up. Like,
0: off well you can dislike it just no one knows about it <laughs> it's just like a placebo effect you, you can hit the thumbs down and be oh like man, uh, and nothing happens
1: yeah. it's like when you block someone without them knowing
0: it's like it's just you just
2: better. them that's yeah. right ooh I, ooh I
0: stuck it to them so <laughs> if you need to do that feel free <laughs> alright love you guys see y'all some other time Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this, so feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing, and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.